Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be receiving wisdom. Let's begin today in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning in the fifth verse, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Verse 5 told us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth unto all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The first part of this, if any of you lack wisdom, is an important phrase, because today we find that a lot of Christians do lack wisdom, but that shouldn't be. Wisdom is something we should be known for. It's something that we should all desire to have and to walk in, and it's something that God desires for us to have. So why is it so absent from so much of the church? We're not in the dark when it comes to how we can get wisdom. God makes it very clear, and he makes it very simple. All he wants is that we ask for it from a willing and sincere heart. He wants us to desire it, to be willing to pursue it, and to yearn for it. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is something that every Christian should set their heart on getting. Wisdom should be a uniting force in the church, something that brings us together and sets us apart from the world. James chapter 4 verses 2 to 3 says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. We have not, because we ask not. Many Christians don't have wisdom today, because they never ask for it, which is the first problem that we find. Psalm 37 verses 4 to 5 tell us, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. If it's our true desire to have the gift of wisdom, and we make that known to the Lord, we can trust that he will bring it to pass, because we know that he never goes back on a promise. We know that some people have never asked for wisdom, so we have to ask ourselves, why wouldn't people ask for it? If wisdom is such a great thing with so many benefits, what would make people not want it? Ecclesiastes 1 and 18 says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. To the natural mind, if we're honest with ourselves, this isn't the best selling point for wisdom. You wouldn't put this on an advertisement for wisdom. The natural mind doesn't want sorrow or pain or suffering or grief. The natural mind wants only pleasure and happiness. So the natural mind makes a man skeptical of wisdom when he hears this. But why does wisdom lead to grief and sorrow? What does that actually mean? And what does that actually look like? The opposite of wisdom is ignorance. Every person on earth is ignorant to some degree, because it's impossible to know everything. But the truly ignorant person is the person who feels like they know everything. They're a know-it-all, and that mindset allows them to indulge in a false sense of contentment. 
We've all heard the old saying that ignorance is bliss, and there's a kernel of truth to that, except for the fact that it's not really bliss at all. It's only the appearance of bliss. The ignorant man is blind to his weaknesses and greatly inflates his strengths, giving him an incomplete and inaccurate view of life and the world around him. The ignorant man thinks he understands everything, when in reality, he almost understands nothing at all. But his false sense of superiority gives him happiness in the moment. We find the opposite to be true when it comes to someone who's truly wise. The truly wise man knows that there's far more that he doesn't know than what he does know. He's acutely aware of his weaknesses, and he has a tendency to diminish his strengths, because he has a greater understanding of the frailty of man. The wise man is always desiring and pursuing after wisdom, which can seem like an ever-moving goalpost, because there's always more to know. This can lead to a feeling of disappointment or inadequacy. While it may seem that a truly wise man would struggle with feelings of superiority, it's actually the opposite. It's the case that it's the ignorant man who struggles with feelings of superiority, while the wise man's struggle is with feelings of inferiority. He feels like his knowledge is never enough, his ability is never enough, his actions are never sufficient, which can create sorrow. But the wise man understands, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We have to understand the type of sorrow that we're dealing with. Wisdom is a supernatural substance. It's not natural at all. The world doesn't have any real parallel to it. They use the word wisdom, but what they pass off as wisdom has no relation to God's definition. Since wisdom is supernatural and given to us by God, we know that we're not dealing with worldly sorrow. We're dealing with godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. The wise man is wise enough to not let his sorrow end in and of itself. He lets his sorrow drive him to do something. He lets it become determination. He lets it become initiative. And ultimately, he lets it become action. And it's this decision that the Lord uses to turn the sorrow into joy. Sorrow is only temporary, whereas joy is eternal. The wise understand this, so they don't get caught up on the momentary sorrow. They don't let it eat at them and make them bitter and resentful. That's what ignorance would lead a man to do. The wise know better than that, and they let their sorrow produce something in their life. They let it drive them towards joy. Another problem that we find is that some Christians ask for wisdom, but they still don't have it. But why is that? If God promised to give us the desires of our heart when we delight in Him, and if He told us to ask for wisdom if we lack it, what's the hindrance? What stops these people from getting it? We find throughout Scripture many of the benefits of wisdom. There's happiness, pleasantness, contentment, wealth, length of days, and many, many more. One of the problems that we find when people ask for wisdom has to do with their intention. There are some people who are ill-intentioned, maybe without even realizing it. With their mouths and words, they ask for wisdom, but in their heart, they're not really desiring wisdom for its own sake. They're desiring it for what it can do for them, which shouldn't be all that surprising. It should sound very familiar, because these tend to be the same people who want God, not for who He is, but for what He can do for them. If people do that with God, why wouldn't they do that with wisdom too? Of course they would. But God knows the heart. He knows the intentions, and words with nothing to back them up don't fool him.
This is a prevalent mindset, especially in our culture that's so preoccupied and consumed by the desire for material possessions and wealth. Not that these things are bad in and of themselves. They're not. But we can't prioritize those things, especially not over the supernatural gifts of God, which are of infinitely more value and worth. The wording of James 1 and 5 was very important, especially as it relates to this. It said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. The word lack is the key word. There's more to it than what meets the eye. In the Greek, it means to leave behind. This gets to the heart of the matter. When they ask for wisdom, they want the benefits, the happiness, the contentment, the long life, the wealth. But at the same time, they want to leave behind the wisdom itself. They want to separate it from the benefits. They want to pick and choose what they do and don't want. But that can't be done. It doesn't work that way. The next verse, James 1 and 6 told us, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. One of the meanings of wavering is to separate, which gets to the heart of what they're trying to do. They're not asking wholeheartedly, willing to receive in full whatever the Lord desires to give them. They want to separate the gift. They want to discriminate between this part and that part. They only want the benefits with no strings attached because they don't want to put forth the effort to pursue wisdom. And in doing so, they rob themselves of a great blessing. This is an example of what we saw earlier in James 4 and 3, which said, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The next verse in chapter 1, verse 7 told us, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. They don't receive, because they're not interested in what the Lord is actually offering. They're only interested in a piece of it. In verse 5, the second half of the verse said, That giveth unto all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. The word liberally used here reinforces this. It's an interesting word. This is the only place in scripture where it's used. In the Greek, it means simply, sincerely, graciously, bountifully, acting with simplicity, without undue complications. The concordance goes further to say, it refers to God generously giving wisdom, which is better translated as giving undividedly, openly, literally unfolded, holding nothing back. God never divides his gifts in order to appease man. His gifts are a total package. Take it or leave it. The benefits are there, and they're available, but wisdom has to come with them because they come from wisdom. They're a byproduct of a life lived in a spirit of wisdom. The other part of that definition that we need to look at is acting with simplicity, without undue complications. This is how God operates. When he desires to give us gifts, he makes it as simple as it can possibly be. He makes it clear how to get it and what it looks like. But man's natural mind has a hard time with simplicity. We make our own undue complications and then complain to God when we don't have what he offered us. We don't only complicate the asking for the gift, which would have been bad enough on its own. The other aspect of it is that we complicate the receiving of the gift, which is where we also find the problem lurking. It's not always that people asked the wrong way or didn't ask. Sometimes they asked and then weren't willing to receive it. A gift can be offered, but we have to receive it. There's two parts, and that's true of every supernatural gift, not just wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in the 20th verse, it says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? 
and the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Verse 20 said, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. If wisdom is out in the open, in a place where everyone is, a place where everyone can be near to it, what's the issue? This makes it seem like it should be easy to receive it. But how exactly do we receive wisdom? Wisdom is received in two main ways, which are through observation and through listening. The Lord is within us, and since he is wisdom personified and the source of all wisdom, we have wisdom within us. But the way that he communicates it to us is by what we see and what we hear around us. He allows it to come through ways that we perceive through our senses. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21 says, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. The Message Bible translates the second half of this verse as, With eyes that see, but don't really look, and ears that hear, but don't really listen. This gets to the heart of the issue. People have the capacity to look and listen, but they don't have the desire or the initiative to do so, and the effect is clearly evident. People hold themselves back from the wisdom that they could have had just by not looking and listening to what's going on around them. If people would stop continually looking at themselves and their problems, their troubles, their conditions, their circumstances, they would be able to discern a lot of wisdom that they could glean from those things that are right in front of them. We can gain wisdom from anyone and anything, because everything has some lesson to teach, even from people or things that we wouldn't expect to be able to do so. Because many times the lesson is what not to do, or what isn't in our best interest, or what doesn't work. We have to open up our hearts to be receptive, and we have to use our discernment to tell which lessons are for our good, and which are there to warn us of what's not good. When we use our discernment, we'll be amazed at how simple it is to obtain wisdom. God's not trying to hold anything back. The definition earlier for liberally said, holding nothing back. God's not trying to hide wisdom behind a veil of mystery and complication. He makes it so simple that we could gain it just by looking and listening, by opening our eyes and ears, both in the natural and the supernatural. We have to use our senses. We have to use our perception. And when we do, we'll find what we're looking for, because we've been promised that if we seek, we will find. James 1 and 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The Amplified Bible translates this verse as, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. People don't really listen today. We find that to be the case in all areas of life. Many people, instead of really listening to what a person has to say, only think about what they're going to say when the other person's done talking. So they're not really listening at all. They're thinking while they pretend to listen, and that only serves to make what's heard not properly understood. When people do this, they invert this order. They're quick to speak and slow to hear, which is detrimental to a conversation and weakens whatever connection would have otherwise been there. But when we keep that order intact, and put more emphasis on truly listening and reflecting on what we hear. We open ourselves up to receive wisdom. Otherwise, we block it out with our natural carnal thoughts. 
Listening is simple, yet powerful. It's a doorway to our soul, just like our eyes are. We need to meditate and reflect on what we see and hear around us. We need to think of what we can learn from what's there, what lessons we can take away from our experiences and what we go through in our daily life. There's a lot there if we'll just take the time and put forth the effort to see it. We have to ask ourselves the question, if listening and looking are such easy and simple things to do, why don't people do them? What is it that's preventing them? One major reason why people don't look and listen, and this is especially prevalent amongst Christians, is that they want to guard themselves from seeing or hearing things that don't align with their viewpoint or their way of thinking. People masquerade this as guarding their mind, which is necessary to an extent. We don't want to unnecessarily allow what we know is harmful into our life, but we have to have a balance. Otherwise, we'll never truly communicate with anyone who thinks differently than we do. And many times, people just need to be heard. They need someone to reach out and listen to them before they'll come to Christ. But that'll never happen if we stay in a bubble and never open up ourselves to listen. The problem here isn't so much the lack of listening, although that isn't good. The real issue is that it belies a much deeper problem, which is an insecurity about what we believe. If we believe that we are the truth, other viewpoints and beliefs shouldn't scare us. We shouldn't be fearful about what others have to say. We should listen and love. We should have real meaningful conversations with people that differ, because lies can never overcome truth. We know that the truth always wins out. If we always had to duck and cover anytime somebody doesn't think exactly the same way we do, then maybe we don't actually believe what we say we believe. If people have doubts or uncertainties, they can manifest by an overemphasis on guarding what we see and hear, which can be good temporarily. But long term, it puts us in a dangerous place because we become too safe, too comfortable, too stationary, and we find ourselves in a place where we never have to answer tough questions, where we don't have to wrestle with our doubts, where we don't have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which in the end actually serves to make us weaker Christians because we become dependent on other people to continually reinforce and hold up our beliefs instead of being able to stand on our own faith. Wisdom can't grow in uncertain soil. It can't flourish in wavering beliefs and doubts. That's why we're told to ask in faith, nothing wavering. The unstable, double-minded man who's always wavering doesn't receive wisdom, mainly because he's not looking and listening about himself. He's always focused on the inside because he's warring within himself. He doesn't know what he believes. He doesn't handle and settle his doubts. He just continues to let himself be tossed about by the enemy. He doesn't search for wisdom because he's still searching for truth. Today, we're not double-minded. Today, we're not unsure and uncertain about what we believe. We know what we believe. We know that we have the truth. We know that we have a good, all-knowing, all-wise God. And because of that, we're free to truly listen and truly look around us. We're free to ask in faith, nothing wavering, and receive the wisdom that's being freely offered to us. Our job is simply to receive it. There are people all around us, all throughout the church. Maybe you even feel like you're one of them yourself, who have asked for wisdom but haven't received it. But today is the day to receive. Matthew chapter 13, verses 15 to 17 says in the classic Amplified Bible, For this nation's heart has grown gross, fat and dull, and their ears heavy and difficult of hearing, and their eyes they have tightly closed, lest they should see and perceive with their eyes, and hear and comprehend the sense with their ears, and grasp and understand with their heart and turn, and I should heal them. But blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are your eyes, because they do see, and your ears, because they do hear. 
We have blessed eyes and ears. We have eyes and ears that are envied by a world without wisdom. We should be happy and feel fortunate. We should be thankful and grateful to God because he gave us a way to get wisdom. And the best way we can show our gratitude is by receiving his gift in faith and using it to its fullest potential. Let's close in prayer. Lord, today we come before you to ask for wisdom. Lord, we present ourselves as an empty vessel before you, and we ask you to fill us with all the knowledge, all the understanding, all the wisdom that only you can give. Lord, we thank you that you've opened up the treasuries of wisdom and that you freely give to us when we ask in faith, nothing wavering. We thank you that you've opened up our eyes and our ears so that we're free to look and listen about us, to receive the wisdom that you're trying to communicate to us. Lord, today we rebuke any doubts, any uncertainties, any lies of the enemy that are trying to convince us that the truth isn't the truth. Lord, we know that that's not right. We know that that's not true. We know that since we have you, that you put your Holy Spirit within us and that you have promised to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Lord, for all those around us whose eyes and ears are still closed, Lord, today we proclaim a day of opening, a day of loosing from the bonds that the enemy is trying to hold them in. Lord, we know that the devil is trying to keep them back from the wisdom that they can have in you. But Lord, we know that those lies won't work. And Lord, today we proclaim deliverance and freedom to the captives. Lord, we thank you that you're going to grant them wisdom and that the wisdom that you give them is going to go on to produce honor and glory for your name. Lord, we thank you for all you have done, all that you're doing right now in our lives, all the wisdom that you're birthing within our spirit right now. And Lord, we thank you for all the great things that you have set apart for your people. We know that you are a good God and that good is on the way. And we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to receive wisdom from the Lord and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.